we're live. Hello, Hi, everybody. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Hi, everybody. This is uh, NJN uh, New Gaming News. Uh, our guest today is Dan Coonan from the ECAC, the uh, East Coast Athletic Conference, uh, college conferences. And I've talked to Jen before, uh, prior to this, Dan, about how I believe college esports is going to be bigger than the pro circuits and esports in the next coming year or so. You know, after we crawl out of this pandemic problem, I believe there's going to be a serious, um, uh, huge. Uh, oh, there's George. Yeah, my camera. I'm just going to turn it off. Because... It's mysterious, George. We like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're gonna. So we know that uh, college esports is going to have an enormous boom, and I've mentioned this to Jen on our prior podcasts uh, and our streams. And, um, you know, it's great to have you uh, on as a guest. And we're going to get to college discussion and esports uh, as we walk through these, uh, our top news for today. And George, George is, uh, I don't know if you met George during the virtual casino esports conference, but he runs a, a program called Esports uh, Academics, which teaches colleges and high schools about um, how to develop their, uh, their esports programs. Amazing. So, yeah, so um, the first uh, article we're going to get to today is the ESEA identified seven cases of misconduct in MDL. So um, I'm going to share my screen here. I'll show you where this is yeah. coming from. So pretty much the Mountain Dew League, <clears throat> there was a few players and teams that were betting on themselves. And obviously you're not allowed to do that. So they were issued a 12 month ban. And that is uh, coming. That news is coming after uh, a few coaches utilizing a glitch in like the spectator cam above it to cheat as well. So there's been a lot of uh, cheat and cheating in the betting world of CS:GO. Right. So this is an issue. I and you know, well, particularly this has been going on. I think since the pandemic, if I'm not, uh, if I'm if I'm correct, is that right, Jen? I would say so. Yeah. I mean, with the pandemic and everything, I think it's more or less been an issue because they can't no have in person there watching. and no one physically there watching. And we've, we we covered this before about how um, there is a, a fan based viewership of the of the Call of Duty League's uh, events. Um, and there's the, the map that you can see the fans only can see if if it was an actual actual uh, in person uh, LAN event in place where people were actually being watched, um, the coaches and teams could not see what the fans see on that map. But what was happening was the coaches were getting caught in, in cheating, and so were some of the players because they were able to see what fans would normally see because they were not being watched. So it's been a big problem with the, with the integrity of the Call of Duty League, and it's something I think we'll touch on um, because, you know, well, as I said prior to, I don't know if we were live or not, but prior to this, I said that, you know, Dan, the, co the colleges, I can even bring it in now, but the colleges are going to have to have uh, a real um, issue to deal with when it comes to making sure that the, that the, each match in esports is, is being played to uh, through integrity purposes. Let me ask you this question. What do you think could be the college's move to make sure that, I, I mean, what I said to Jen was in, in prior podcasts was that, you know, they would lose their scholarship or they could lose uh, a positioning on the team or there would be some kind of penalty. I mean, 
would they would a college deal with a esports uh, college player like they would a regular athlete? Yeah, and and you would also have the conference um, come in. So so if if this happened for us um, as the commissioner of the ECAC, uh, I have the authority to take action as well, and and be with with our with our bylaws uh, and our charter. Uh, and I think you would see schools themselves especially the ones that are really connected above and through the president. A lot of our schools, this is something the presidents wanted to do, esports. And, and for those that, are, that have that kind of connectivity throughout the university, you would see this. I think you'd see the schools stepping in, uh, uh, especially now. Um, uh, I think it, um, it, it'll be interesting to see in a couple of years, and, and you talk about the explosion of college and what you think might happen just for us. My God, we've gone to 75 schools in three years. It's crazy. And and we may exceed 100 and, and go beyond that. And the bigger it gets and the more competitive it gets, um, we're going to see more attempts to cheat. Uh, and, and the more that becomes at stake, uh, you know, when the stakes are really high, people do uh, tend to cut corners. And, and we're going to see a lot more of that than we see now. But it's coming. Uh, and, uh, you know, to start with, we've we've kind of, we have we have few barriers to entry and we don't have a ton of rules. The NCAA has a 500 page manual. Ours ours is not in anywhere near like that, but it might be eventually if. Uh, so if so you're saying you're saying each conference will be like the ECA, like would like ESA, like the Esports Integrity Coalition that is run by Ian Smith in, in London, where it's a, it's it's this is why I say that college esports is going to be bigger than professional esports, because if you break it down to each commission, which you have, like ECAC, NCAA, uh, and all the different divisions, it's much more, there's already a structure there that allows for, um, you know, for integrity of, of, of the play of each individual esport uh, match. Um, and, and would these players be subject then to discipline just like a regular athlete would be? Yes, yes, they would. And, and it's not under the NCAA, by the way. The NCAA has passed on it. But so we are taking the function of the NCAA, really, the ECAC, for our 75 schools. Uh, mm -hmm. and, um, and so, yes, but, but we function as that. And if the schools didn't punish and, we, and, it, and it was something that was in violation of our bylaws, we would absolutely step in. So, so maybe it should be called the ECEC. <laughs> the east coast esports coalition uh -huh. i i, I well, mean we're not just east coast anymore we're coast to coast you know, yeah we're, we're corner schools uh oh, so, so ec so 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 uh, let's so some what are the some of the schools that are well, on the east coast well, right we, now we, uh, sacramento state from the west coast uh we now have sacramento state so uh wow. it, it's it's been true but syracuse just one, uh, our uh, we had a, a HV GamerCon. We had na our 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 national championship, really our our tournament. Syracuse won the Rocket League uh, for that. We have we have some of those. Uh, uh, we have some of the schools from the Big East. Uh, uh, they play they play Big East uh, League of Legends, but they come with like Providence. They come with us, uh, and they play. And we're running ten different games, and so you can be a part of something else. You can be part of. Uh, the, the formal riot structure uh, for League of Legends and play all the other games with us. Okay. Uh, that's the real allure, allure of us, you know, and, and you can, if, if you're with us, you can, you can enter as many teams per game as you want. You can enter as many games that, as, uh, as we have. And we do all our games we do in the fall and we do them again in the spring. And then we have a couple of uh, in-person 
uh, tournaments as well. And 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 we're on ESTV now, and we've we've got wow. we've averaged sixty five thousand views a week. You know, we wow. have so many, so many, we have three hundred teams, and we have so many games each week. Wow! And so we're thrilled. The first two weeks, we averaged sixty five thousand views. Uh, so uh, we're clicking right now. So so, so let me ask you. So if somebody wanted to go watch a an esports match, it's being streamed on Twitch, correct? On Twitch as well, yes. Right. Uh-huh. So how would they look? Would they just look for ECAC Division uh, Esports or? Yeah, yeah, ECAC Esports. Yes. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. And but on ESTV, there's so many ways. Roku. There's so many ways to get ESTV uh, linear uh, uh, broadcast as well. Um, and so, but but you could do either. Absolutely. And um, and we're really excited about that. And our HV. GamerCon, this 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 in person. Well, it used to be in person. We used to get a hundred fifty thousand dollar grant from the state of New York to run this in person championship up in Albany. Uh, we've done it virtually now. We do, we just did it virtually two weeks ago, uh, and and we had a ton of streams for that as well as well as what we're doing for our leagues. So I think so far we've had well over two hundred thousand unique views uh, on our linear channel ESTV. Well, in the next article, we're going to talk about something a little bit more challenging. But what I want to ask you is that for those folks out there that don't understand, like the structure of uh, uh, of the of the of the college levels. So is ECAC, would, is that a division like the like the Big East or the Big Ten? Well, so we're more like the NCAA. Okay. Than we are like the Big East or the Big Ten. So we, it's an umbrella organization, yeah, and, and anyone can join. Okay. Uh, and whereas the Big East, the Big East is not interested really in beyond their, you know, whatever they have now. They have twelve or sixteen schools, I think. Um, uh, they're not really looking to expand that. We're, you know, we're going to be over a hundred. We're probably going to go at one hundred fifty, one hundred seventy-five, um, and so we're more of an umbrella organization. We run all the games. Uh, any competitive level we'll take uh, and and figure it out for you. And uh, uh, so we're we're not exactly like the Big East. And and and, and like I said, we, we have some of the schools in the Big East are with us for the other games that the Big East itself is not offering. Right. Uh, so uh, so we're running national championships. So like if I would think of it as a hierarchy, the ECAC is 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 it's so the Big East would be down here. And ECAC is over here, almost like an umbrella of of some of the other, like yeah. some of the other schools that are in the Big East, that are in that are in the Atlantic Ten, that are in whatever they're in. Those there are some groups of those teams that are from those schools that also can fall under the ECAC umbrella. Absolutely, yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and so. and, the, and the, the beauty of it is, with so many games, and we, you know we're running ten games. Who knows? In a year or two, that could be twenty games. We right. we, we want to continue to expand. So, uh, so schools could get involved in something else, or or do like I said, do the do the League of Legends with Riot and or any other uh, 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 gamer specific uh, 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 event with with the game if the game is going to run it. Uh, but come to us for all the all the rest. Uh, right. So it's, it's uh it's been a pretty cool structure for us. And you're doing Rocket League and and what else? Yeah. Uh, we have uh, uh, FIFA, uh, Overwatch, Hearthstone, uh, Rocket League, Fortnite. Um, uh, let me uh, Super Smash, Valorant, uh, Madden. 
Wow, that's a heavy list. It's a lot of, lot of, lot of games. So, oh, yeah. so this is been, this is interesting. I think we lost George again, unfortunately. But um, here's this is gonna. I'm gonna bring us to our next article. I mean, and this is gonna. This is interesting because as as es- as the esports world grows in the college lens in the college ranks. Oh, George is there. Let's see if we can get him in there. Hey, George. George. Well, his technical difficulties oh, were worked yeah. out. Were worked yeah, out. Yeah, our, 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 just sort of. <laughs> Uh, our, our wonderful UK New Gaming News crew that's actually at, in George's uh, closet in the back. <laughs> anyway, so, no, George, we were just talking about, we're going to get to our, our article, which I just put up, which is the Luxbox uh, yeah, CEO yeah. Um, uh, mentioned. Uh, he just talked, he just talked, uh, Quentin Martin. Uh, he just talked uh, and, and mentioned in this article in Gambling Insider, uh, and we were just discussing, uh, you know, the structure yeah. for. Uh, yeah, no, I was I was here for that, and whilst he was talking, I was trying to sort out all of the um, technical stuff that was going on on my end. So yeah. Oh, okay. So <laughs> so yeah, so so we're we're talking about this article called "Esports Betting Will Overtake Traditional Sports Betting in My Lifetime." Now, with ECAC yeah. growing at in, in in enormous rates, and and this is something I think, and you know, college players are not getting paid obviously for you know for this kind of thing but now they can get sponsorships right yeah but but now but how how serious is you know, these colleges under the ECAs are going to be watched and these kids going to be watched while they're playing esports that they're not throwing matches because they're being bet on i mean college basketball is being bet on i mean when are we going to see that anyway when we see esports betting uh happening in the college ranks yeah so we will see it uh, unquestionably, uh, it's common, and um, but but you, you already have it with the NCAA anyway. Yeah, yeah, as as you mentioned, uh, not for every sport, you know. And it's really uh, you have college basketball, you can bet on uh, on women's basketball too, um, but it's and football, of course. Um, and so, uh, but at some point, uh, and, and probably some point soon, we'll, you'll have betting on esports, and it'll have to be policed like it is at the NCAA. And, and I was, you know, I, w- I worked. Uh, I still work in traditional sports, uh, college sports, and so I've been connected with the, the NCAA. When I was when I worked for the Pac-12, I I did a lot of the gambling education for the schools, yeah. and uh, it's a it's a serious thing, you know. And there have been some some pretty significant scandals in the history of the NCAA uh, with college basketball, especially. Um, and and that's gonna that potentially could be an issue with esports, of course, and. Um, right now, for the NCAA and traditional sports, you, you have huge infrastructure on the campuses and with the NCAA and a big policing mechanism. You don't really have that uh, in esports. And, right. and there's good parts of that. Uh, you don't have that bureaucracy of the NCAA. And, and, and right now, there, um, you know, when, we, when we entered this world, we said we're not going to have amateurism uh, notions like the NCAA does. You, you know, on the weekend, if you want to make a few thousand dollars playing esports uh, uh, outside of the ECAC, go ahead. That's not going to jeopardize your uh, your your eligibility with us. If you want to be sponsored right now, there's no limits on that. You can do that if you want. Uh, so we don't have some of those rules, but absolutely the gambling will have to be heavy-handed on any um, issues that arise with respect to gambling and. And, and, and you'll have to build up an, an infrastructure on the, camp, on the campuses and with the, with the conferences to do that. 
Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and George, thanks for working out the, you know, your, your tech problems. And George Quirk, everybody, is uh, coming from us all the way from the UK, United Kingdom. Now, Dan, if you're not aware, George runs a, a program called Esports uh, Academics. George, how would you handle if you, so we're talking to Dan, and Dan's talking about how players, you know, have to be, uh, educated on the on the on the on the on the issues of gambling. How would you educate college kids to make sure, especially in esports? How would you go about talking to those students that are also active in the esports uh, levels in, in 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 colleges? And how would you go about talking to them or educating them on the on the dangers of being being bribed by by some guy who's going to give them a lot of money if they throw a match? I think it's very key. Like whenever anyone's really, let's say taking that into consideration you got to look at really where do you want to one where do you want to take your career that's a start because if these are high prospects they could end up going to actually play in the real world for multi-million dollars and many millions of dollars it's also about setting the foundation early so in terms of i think dan briefly said um about um being involved in the athletics and really like teaching um the students about the gambling and everything that needs to be done in esports as well. It's, it's something which isn't done, really, I would say. And it's something which I feel like could really be, it needs to be implemented at some point. And really um, setting those foundations early, in my opinion, is the key answer. Right. Because setting those foundations early, you start to put the, not the idea, but the concept and the understanding of it into an individual whether they're competing whether they're a student and it just helps the message get out there more mm -hmm. i see so that's basically so it's not like you'd basically put the fear of god into them i wouldn't i would per personally <laughs> i don't feel like sometimes the fear of god does not work for some right. people right right some people well, miss well, the fear of the mafia could work. And yeah, that's true. That's how, <laughs> and, and I'm I'm not even kidding. That's how the NCAA does it, and and um, and and they bring because as I mentioned, there's been so many instances uh, with college basketball, especially of, of of student athletes getting in trouble and getting in trouble with the mob, and right. and um, uh, and and so and so they have they bring some of those folks in to talk to current student athletes. And uh, and let them know exactly. You know, there could be prison time there, but but there could be physical harm or the threat of physical harm to you of your fam or your family if you get indebted to these folks. And yeah. Um, yeah. and that can be very effective. And and of course, the, with gambling on esports will come organized crime. Uh, and uh, and so it's not an exaggeration to suggest. Um, that that's also a way that that we could uh, educate uh, with respect to college esports. Well, if there's any college esports uh, kids that are playing out there, uh, young college students that are playing esports and on a collegiate level, you know, this brings me to the next thing we're talking about is uh, simplicity esports require gaming centers in California, Washington. This is one of the things we are covering uh, for simplicity esports and any college student that's looking to go into the pros. I think, Jen, you had some, you know, you wanted to touch on this, or is this from last week? <laughs> um, a lot of video for the Red Bull, the Red Bull event, but I can talk about the simplicity. 
uh, pretty much they're just buying up property cheap right now. Right, right. And that's because what of... they're doing. And I think it's a good idea for them because a lot of land centers are kind of like dying right now. There is not as much physical attendance, even though um, I don't know if it was in this or another one that we were talking or another article we were talking about. But uh, it was them. It was one of their land centers in Texas. Right. Went up this month because right. everything was opened back up after covid membership right. went back up so pretty much their whole idea is they're buying everything up now while it's cheap while everything else is failing so that when covid is over uh they can just have a monop- not a monopoly but they can have a lot of it yeah well i mean this and is a big the benefits this is a big problem i was going to ask also getting back to the collegiate side of things i mean dan you're doing most of your uh, tournaments i guess uh remote Remotely, right now, right now we are, yeah. Or the, and the students are playing from home. Yeah, uh, in some, in most cases they are, but some of them are are at school doing it, uh, or or coming together at a facility that the school put together. But a lot of them are doing it from home. Yeah. So I mean, this is like a lot of people have. We've talked about this, Jen and I, about COVID and how it's affected every industry on the on the planet. Um, and 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 esports is no uh, has not escaped that damage. Um, in, yeah, and even, every though, level. even though uh, viewership and like acknowledgement went up, right. obviously you can't go there. Yeah. Right. So, you know, viewers, viewership, right. But, but then, no you know, even with, even with the online tournaments and, you know, we're not at that point, Dan, I think with the colleges, but like, as we covered before with ESIC, you know, having the misconduct in the Mountain Dew League um, with the Call of Duty situation. I mean, you know, COVID has had its has created a lot of challenges in esports. There's, uh, you know, I, but it's still it's still aiming to grow. I mean, there's still growth there. I mean, you know, you're going to get everything at a at a bottom, at a, a, you know, bucket a quarter right now because it's everyone's it's sort of a fire sale. But as we emerge from this, um, as I predicted, and I've said this on prior podcasts, is esports in colleges is going to be really big. And let me ask you this. I mean, we're going to get to our, our next article here. And Jim wants to run a small little video on the on the Red Bull uh, thing here. And, 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 and Jim, why don't you just go ahead and share your screen, set up that, All right. that video. So pretty much Red Bull Gaming uh, launched their own thing called Simplified Stream for the League of Legends World Championship. And I'm just sharing my screen right now. I thought they did a nice job because we've talked about – we talked about this at the Casino Esports Conference, Ari, and then we talk about it on our podcast sometimes – but that just doesn't happen enough. I think a lot of people are intimidated by esports and don't really know what's going on. But this, for example, was a really nice way. So pretty much before the event and after the event, they did some explanations of how to play the game just for new fans. And let's them buy items to make their champion stronger. Halloween. More kills means more gold means more items. Means and I just think they did a nice job. So they're explaining it here. And then if you move forward a little bit, so they have nice graphics to show you, like, the actual map of the game for anybody who might not be familiar with it. It's going to be absolutely... And I'm trying to pull up. 
Yeah, so they even go over play-by-play play what was going on during the match. And I think that for new, not only viewers, but potential bettors in the future, they need to know what's going on if they're going to get into esports at all, because it's a little intimidating, especially something like League of Legends. Well, well, I can imagine that. Let me, let so me ask you. I think they did a beautiful job with that, and I think more... Esports need to start doing that to get right. new new viewers and then new betters and new players for in colleges and everything like that. Well, I think that on, on, on the collegiate level, I'm sure there's a lot of kids in, and even on the college levels. I mean, we can't assume that every kid in college. Uh, how do you attract? Like, so you have a you have a school like let's say Rutgers, my alma mater. You have about thirty thousand students at that school. Now, not all of those kids are going to be into esports. Now, if you guys got a sponsor uh, for the ECAC, <laughs> yeah, right. Now, wouldn't it be a, a good idea for them to hire guys who are doing the play by play in esports? Not only to get the students that are at the school more interested in the esports program but also to get outside alumni and other people to understand what's going on in, you know, with these eSport matches as well. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and so many of the games need it. I mean, some like, you know, Rocket League and FIFA and uh, Madden, obviously uh, it's not as, as, uh, as necessary, but some of the games absolutely, and especially as colleges, try to expand to women. Um, uh, you know, Title IX is a big issue. And, and apart from Title IX, the colleges want to do everything they do in a gender equitable manner. And there, there's so many men playing these sports and not as many women as they try to do outreach to women. Um, this sort of thing that uh, just a, a how-to or, or a basic, what is this game and how do you follow it and how do you watch it and what should you be looking for? Um, it, it Absolutely, that that has benefits, no question. Right. So, George, you're in the educating area of esports. Yep. Now, I mean, this is something right, right in your in your wheelhouse. You got, you know the games. You understand the games. Who do you educate here? Are you, I mean, it take, like Jen said, you right, do you educate the sponsors and then have the sponsors re-educate, or do you have educators that they sponsors can hire from your company to go on, you know, do the play-by-plays or even you know, switch screens so that the, the person who knows the game very well can explain it to the audience. Why don't you give us an idea of how you and your company would, you know, help the audience understand more of these types of games? So the way in which we, so we mainly work with educational institutions anyway, but um, in terms of the way that I think is best to do it is one, but it's a combination of the two because the more sponsors understand the industry and the games they are getting involved in, the viewership, the audience, demographics, things like that, the more they'll be engaged with the games and the content and maybe look at further, let's say, sponsorship opportunities with those um, developers and so on. And then in terms of actually educating the audience, that it's very much, I would say, it's an external, you bring someone external in. So you normally have analysts which are on um the panels that are events they'll do game by game analysis then you'll have actual casters which will cast the game as it's going on every individual really has their own specific let's say not area or profession but within that let's say production team and the team within developing the game and analyzing the game they all have their own role right. and i think bringing someone else external into that picture 
would maybe help with it, especially if, let's say, it's a former professional player, whether it's um, someone from CSGO, for example, or from League of Legends. It, if you can set that base knowledge for anyone, it makes the game more enjoyable in terms of you can actually interact with it more and you can understand it more. Right. So, for example, someone, part of, someone, uh, one of my colleagues actually, for the first time, tuned in, tuned into League of Legends, um, and was literally in a call with his friend watching it, but he'd never watched it before, and his friend was just there, literally explaining it to him. Right. And that's that's kind of what needs to happen to, let's say, some people which haven't ever viewed that esport or that specific genre is someone to kind of like, let's say, hold their hand for explaining it and understanding it because then their interaction with that title will automatically increase. Then they can spread it on to other people in terms of letting them know about this, letting them know about the game, how, how enjoyable they had watching it, how, and it just, it's a feed on effect, right? Word by mouth in terms of making it grow even more. Let me ask you something, George. As an, as an issue in regards to esports, let me talk about this. How much do you think esports is a problem that people don't know what's happening? On a scale from one to five, how important is it for people to understand what is happening on the screen for the future of esports? One being the least amount, five being obviously the most. I think in terms of my personal opinion, I would say three or four in terms of the level because right. it helps within letting the getting the word out there right and one way in which we say about it here at esports academics and people that we've talked to is we know our demographic and majority of the demographic i think the statistics are like 79 percent are under the age of 35 right um every other industry let's say has had the generational pass down esports hasn't um and that's another major that's another thing in which i think is going to play a major impact in terms of the growth of it's the a, industry and it's, a, it's a real barrier i think it's a real barrier to entry because you the the original audience dan is is not is new it's it's not like he's he, like he's saying it's not like oh my my dad played football for seton hall or i mean they don't even have a football team but my dad played basketball for seton hall and you know and and i'm interested in basketball because my 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 dad played there um there's no pass down uh, at this point of, of these sports, uh, of, of esports. So, you know, how important is it, you think, as a, you know, as I said to George, between one and five, to educate not just the student body, but the, but the, but the not only in your kids, but the regulators that you guys have, the teachers, the commit, everybody, administrators, how important is it that everybody's educated on what's happening within these games? Yeah, well, I think I'm, it's remarkable this generation how much they know and mm-hmm. uh, and i think that those positions that you're talking about regulation and all uh, people will hire from that generation so our director of esports at the ecac uh is is and was a gamer and uh and fresh out of school and she's doing a great job for us and she speaks the language and she connects with uh, the, the competitors as well as the coaches and, and all of that and and I think um, a lot of these jobs are going to be filled by people uh, uh, from that from that generation that that really know this stuff well, even though they didn't learn it from their parents and they're not. It's not like the baseball playing catch with your dad sort of thing. It's totally different. But yeah, but it, I, I, it's still powerful though. 
Oh, it's extremely powerful. But then, you, you know, that's what I'm saying. It's just like it's so important to educate about the, the games and esports, as I say. I, I've watched League of Legends matches, and, and, you know, it's enough to make anybody go insane because nobody knows what the hell's going on. Again, again, when I was a kid and I first sat, sat down, my dad was watching a football game. I didn't know what the hell was going on either. Right. You know, yeah, it's a great example. Get, yeah. yeah, yeah. You got you, you got guys standing on lines and people running around and th- some guy throwing a ball and another guy kicking. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah. nobody knows what's happening, especially you know, unless you understand it. I mean, think about that for a second. If you think about somebody who comes from a foreign country, they come to the United States and they don't have regular, you know, and I mean, George football isn't even football in your country. It's, <laughs> it's what we call soccer. But I mean, you know, it, in many cases, it's like you've got a, someone from, I don't know, Azerbaijan or some, yeah. you know, strange yeah, yeah. country out there in a third world country. They come and they watch uh, people playing football. I mean, nowadays things are much more international, even football games. There's some, American football games that are played in the UK and other parts of the world. But, you know, before the internet could make anything popular, uh, which is a great tool, George, for, to educate people on esports, um, um, you know, they just didn't know what the hell they were looking at. Nothing, no, had no clue. And I could tell you that I could, I could watch cricket and I'm telling you, I look at cricket and I'm like, Oh, don't know. You're like, what else going on? Yeah, what the hell's going on? They're using a flat bat. Some guy's <laughs> throwing a ball five feet from another guy at like 90 <laughs> miles an hour. Like, it's completely clue. I'm completely- and the map can last two days or uh, yeah, no, there's there's multiple there's multiple different games, like in terms of like you can have t uh, twenty, which is twenty overs, you can have one day internationals, yeah, you can have like a five day series, like there's, yeah, there's, I, there's many different versions of the game. I, I mean, you pretty much lost me just by explaining that part. Yeah, I don't even know there what you go. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's like, again, it's funny because, you know, cricket never picked up in colleges anywhere in the United States, I'm sure. But, you know, I've seen rugby clubs in, in colleges, which oh, is yeah. interesting. Yeah, we, we, we've done rugby, yeah. Oh, yeah. But anyway, we're coming up on the, on the half hour here, and I wanted to just touch on this last article. It's a fair, it's kind of a fluff piece, would you say? I don't know. It's an interesting thing. I don't know what maybe guys get your opinion on it. So uh, it's fluffy, but so I'll talk about it a little bit and like why I added it. Mm-hmm. So five, we were talking about land centers, uh, and that's why I brought this up because Five Below is going to have land centers, and they partnered with Nerd Street Gamers, I think, for like um, an arena program. I think with some possible education pieces, and Five Below is trying to go deeper into the gaming space by adding like peripherals which is headsets microphones mice keyboards uh branded by booga which was the fortnite world cup winner yeah that guy's gotten a lot of traction on that uh winning at yeah, three million dollars oh but yeah because i was like I the guess... height of fortnite too so he was like a rock star yeah um but how much how much can you use a guy like booga dan to help boost college esports i mean booga's yeah. probably gonna he's gonna be in college soon no yeah, yeah. Oh, it it helps immeasurably. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Any of these guys with a huge following uh, that get connected with us, uh, it's. I mean, we, we we had a couple of these NFL guys, uh, Shane Breen, uh, uh, who is also a gamer. He's an NFL uh, running back. Uh, he he was a caster for HB GamerCon, and we heard a ton of people uh, thrilled about that. So anybody that's got a connection in esports or a following. Uh, is gold for us. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And 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 and, and, and George, how would you learn? How would you educate a school on you know how they go about getting? Do they recruit Buga as a player? Do you think, or or, we, or do you think maybe they should use him as more of a spokesperson kind of guy? I personally think, uh, let's be honest, near enough every single college in North America would want to sign Buga. <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest here. Yeah. Um, so the likelihood is you've got to try and lure him some way. But I would say use him really. It's a really the college is a really good way to hone your skills, showcase your skills and really prove to the world what you can do. And I think that's what needs to really be, and that's why I think uh, what um, Dan's doing and what other people like CSL and uh, other like organizers are doing is really good in trying to showcase that talent at right. Collegiate because they are the next generation of professionals. Whether whether it's coming through a Collegiate, whether it's coming through Collegiate or whether it's coming through another form, Collegiate is going to be one of the, one of those pipe pipelines or pathways, whatever you want to call it, for the next generation in terms of making sure we have that, let's say, structure in place for the next generation to progress through the scene. Right. And I think that's something which, in my terms of, if you're going to, the addition of franchise leagues, I'm going kind of a tiny bit off the top of, let's say, franchise leagues, I feel like, are a great thing if done right. Right. If they set up a structure where there is ability for, let's say, we all call it grassroots, fantastic. Because then you're allowing for the development of players to come through in future years. But if you don't allow for that and you literally just only open a franchise league and don't really have, let's say, try and set up any sort of grassroots for the game, to, for the title, that's where issues can come, right, in my right. opinion. Because you're right. not really looking at the longevity of your title you're only yeah. looking at the title for the now and ne for the now rather than always looking towards the future but now dan a guy like buga he won three million dollars at the fortnite thing now i mean this is a kid he was 16 years old he's probably a senior right now what how do how do you how do you recruit i mean is there going to be college recruitment stuff for these guys like a kid like but he's already got three million dollars i mean what does he need to a scholarship for <laughs> well it, it depends on what his goals are. Uh, and yeah, he could, yeah, he, he could go anywhere. Um, uh, the, the schools that get it will be recruiting him. And the, the interesting thing is in the NCAA world, there's limits on what on, on the value of a scholarship and, and all of that. And in some of the conferences, uh, they're they're applying their NCAA rules on eligibility and recruiting and recruiting inducements and things like that. The ban on that. Um, we don't at the ECAC, uh, we're not imposing any of that. So if a school wants to go and, uh, and, and give more than a scholarship and, yeah. and uh, perhaps that's fine. Now, it, we're not going to impose these rules until our members tell us that they want to. So, and, so uh, how, how could you, what do you mean by more of a scholarship? Just more money in the they, they could potentially pay him to come or make a, make a better deal with uh, um, more than uh, the, the reason that a scholarship is the value it is, is because the NCAA applies limits to that. If they didn't have those limits, you might have schools pay a running back a lot more yeah. than a scholarship. Uh, so, 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 what you're, so what you're saying is, I mean, it looks, it, it, this is a very different, we're talking about a very different, I mean, esports obviously is very competitive. You know, you have that competitive thing. You got a guy like Buga, um, 
now he's he's at that age where you could recruit him and give him a scholarship and stuff like that. But not only if you got him to come to your college, not only now is he playing uh, on a collegiate esport team uh, with you know, but he's also got such a high profile. That's like it's like a it's like a movie rock star that's attending right. that college. How much of a benefit does that college get now? And saying I got one of the you know. Does it attract more money from alumni? Uh, I mean, does it attract more attention to the school in general? And it, think of all the other kids that want to come to that school just because he's going to it, or or find out about that school. Mm-hmm. They may never, they may not have known about it. Now suddenly he's going there. They're like, "What is this? I got to go." And, and so the value to the school is potentially enormous with some of these folks. And and I can see all kinds of different deals being structured. Uh, between a kid like that and a school uh, to induce them to come. It can just massively help rocket propel any varsity program right? by signing someone like that. I mean, I was talking about the school as well, but the program, of course. Oh, yeah, the school and the varsity program as a whole. It just automatically rocket propels that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, so if it, so, here's here's this is very interesting because you got on uh, colleges. Uh, are you think colleges are aware of this at this point? I mean, uh, how much do the schools know that if they if they got a kid like Booga or if they got some other young, uh, you know, esport professional who even could be a professional but wants to just sw- switch to get a college education, come to a school and has a following? I mean, that's huge. I think a few schools know it. I yeah. don't think all of them do. Right. I, I, I yeah. I know. I completely agree with that on that. I think the ones that let's say that have potentially been doing this for a bit longer than yeah. some others will 100% know the benefit of what this could do for, as Dan says, not only the school, but the varsity program. So we, we have a school, SUNY Canton. Um, they have, uh, that school has never uh, gotten more media attention out of anything that has happened at the school in their history than their esports program is generating for them right now. And wow. that, so that is, and they have, they, they understand that. And they're doubling down on it, uh, and it's been a great thing for them. And others are kind of looking at that and seeing that, uh, but they're the exception. There's not um, mm-hmm. there's not a ton of, of uh, examples I can give like that. But that's a school that would absolutely understand the value of someone like that uh, re- recruiting someone. So, like so, so this is interesting because you know George, George and I, and Ryan Teo, um, we've I run the Casino Esports Conference. Everybody knows that out out in the in our audience and George and I and Ryan uh, had decided that we're going to start doing some kind of major curriculum uh, starting in the West coast um, that is going to teach the colleges about this kind of opportunity to put their school on the map. Mm -hmm. I mean, it literally does, but it's weird for them because you talk about all these administrators, Dan, they're, they're, you know, they're in their 60s, 70s, you know, whatever it is. And, and they're too ageist here, but that's well, not, to, not, to, not, to, not to be ageist. I never look to, older than I am, by the way. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, well, I'm only I'm, I'm only 18. But other than that, but, you know, I mean, the point is that, look, if you look at the situation, you, you're thinking about this from a, from a perspective is they, I don't think that they realize and colleges are obviously a lot. If you think of US, UCLA, you think of some of the biggest, bigger colleges in the United States, they have major uh, football programs, these basketball programs, costing them millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. You get one booga, right? 
one booga on your on your roster for esports. Think of the how many followers does he have, Jen? Like three million? Who knows? Uh, he's he's got like enormous amounts of followers. Yeah. yeah. So we're talking about a guy that has so much influence on younger people from all all over the spectrum, and it's not costing the college. All it's costing them is a scholarship. And then it, 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 it's the impact is so powerful that I don't even know if they even realize how powerful that could be. George, how do you talk to a college like UCLA who understands that one thing, raise, you know, shit tons of money for their current conventional school sports? How do we convince them that esports is, is the way to go? And it's not going to cost them billions and billions and billions of dollars. I, I think I think one of the biggest ways is you need to, to a certain extent, show them the light, right? Because this is, this is the new generation. This is the way we communicate. This is what we do, very much on a daily basis. And I remember someone I mean, saying, I mean, but breaking it down, are we talking about the power of the internet? Is that what we're talking about? I'm, I'm partially talking about that. But what I was, was going to say is, I was going to make a reference from CEC. I'm not sure who said it, but someone said it's a it's an evolution in terms of generation and people, right? Let's say 30, 40 years ago, people would have come home from work, turned on a TV and watched TV. Right. Now we come home, we turn on a console, we turn on our PC and we play a game. That right. is the new generation and that's the way it goes. That was me. Oh, I wasn't inside the show. I just remembered it and it stuck with me the whole time. So it's a, it's a cultural thing. Yeah, it's a cultural thing. And that's what I... I completely believe that. And I think the when universities start to wake up to that is when and people obviously need to show the light in terms of what the what the esports industry is, the people that are coming through the industry, and what it can do as a whole to impact that university, right? Having a prestigious program just will obviously automatically help you grow even further. And whether that's obviously... UCLA gains them more, gains them obviously more, it gains them a larger audience. But the thing is, as well, yes, fair enough, esports is obviously viewed in North America, but it's a way for them to target internationally as well, right. which is what they already do in those programs for basketball, American football, and all of those other traditional sports that needs to really, I would say, come to fruition in college as well. This is an. It's played worldwide, no matter where you're from. Let's be honest. And you've got people that have flown over from Korea to compete in the Overwatch League. Right. So it is a worldwide esport. Esports is worldwide. Why not use it now to propel your university to an even more international Well, I agree. Audience? I mean, 100%. And I can say, Dan, now schools, colleges right now during COVID are suffering. Lots of kids are deferring. Lots of kids are just stopping. They're like, why go to school? I don't want to learn on a, on a computer. It's not going to help me any. I can't socialize. I can't party. I can't go to a fraternity house. I can't do anything fun as a college student. What's the point of being in college? It's stupid. I'm sitting in my parents' house on a computer, and it's boring. I can't go out with friends. I can't do anything. It's like a complete waste of time. Why not just go out and get a, get a job somewhere, earn some money, and then take a deferment and come back later? The colleges are freaking, and they're losing tons of money. Now, what's it going to take for schools to understand that if they, they, they adopt an esports program, they can tap into an entire huge marketing network 
online. I mean, do the do they even understand that at this point? I mean, you say some do, yeah, and and then and then there's others that that aren't getting it a hundred percent. I think a, a lot of them do, and 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 it's those so many of the schools that we talk to the the, the traditional esports. I'm sorry, the, the traditional ECAC schools, the reason they wanted it in the first place was for the enrollment value of it. So they, exactly. they understood and they saw right away when they had recruiting night, when they invited high school kids to come to campus and they had all their tables out and of the various, the engineering department, yeah. when they had an esports table, it was packed. Right. And, yeah. and a light went off and they're like, we got to do this. And right. um, so, but yeah, but that's just a subset of all the schools. Uh, um, it, it's a lot of them. It's a lot of the schools that are with us. You know, we got seventy-five schools, and they all get it. Uh, so, but, so let's say let's say they buy in. Let's say the colleges buy in. They get it. They understand it's going to be a curriculum. Obviously, one school is going to copy another school. They're going to yeah. see that it's happening. How do we find how do we find the boogies in high school? How, how, there's no structure yet in the high schools. So how, yeah, for esports. So um, how how are how are colleges at this point? I know it's so new, it's so young, it's so, it's so, how are they recruiting? So, so we're trying to help that process along and, and, and we're developing relationships with high school organizations and the organizations that we're partnering with, uh, by the way, Collegiate Sports Marketing uh, Group, uh, CSMG, uh, we partnered with them in, uh, in January and they're big believers in, in developing the high school space, developing the community college space. They, um, they've got the uh, NJCAA uh, uh, is connected with them as well. And, um, and, and the, the recruiting restrictions in the NCAA that prevent schools from doing too much, uh, colleges from doing too much with high schools, don't apply in esports. So ah. colleges, colleges can connect with high schools and conferences can connect with high schools. Uh, so we're doing it. Uh, and some of the other esports organizations see that, see that potential right there. Right. Uh, and um, uh, but but we're we're providing that link for our ECAC schools with the, with the community colleges and with the high schools. So so doing it until they tell you not to. <laughs> well, there's nobody to tell us not to. The, right. the, the NCAA. The, the NCAA, they, they appointed somebody to look at esports and they, th they thought long and hard about it uh, for a year and a half or so. Yeah. And they ultimately decided they did not want to venture into this. And so, so the NCAA is not going to come to us and say we can't. Um, so for us, it's just a matter of our 75 schools. If our, if our 75 schools decide that that's a recruiting advantage uh, and they don't want one school to get it at uh, – uh, to the detriment of another, and we should have some rules restricting this. Um, only then will we do that. But I can't see us doing that because I think they'll all want to take advantage of it. Um, here, here, here's my advice, and I'm going to tell you this. And this, and this goes out to our listeners because there's a lot of business people that listen to this. A lot of these guys listen to you know to our podcast, and they are investing in companies on the professional level of esports. You're putting your money in the wrong place. Oh yeah, where you should be putting your money. Where you should be putting your money is in these college programs. If you're an alumni of, of all any of the schools in the ECAC group, and Dan, you can send me a list of that. I'll post it up somewhere on, on our page somewhere uh, of, of all of uh, the schools that are under ECAC. Oh, Make I'll a do donation that. to that school. Make a donation to that school. Make it Get more involved in college esports. As I say, as I live in Digen, and I've said this multiple times, 
college esports is going to be the biggest thing in the next year or so. That is going to be create the level, lower levels of high school. It's going to create the professional levels, and we're going to have a complete ecosystem that's going to start in the colleges. And if the, if anyone is a, again, if you're an investor in an investment company, take your money, go to your college and tell them they should have an esports program and tell them you're going to put up all the money for that program because otherwise you're not you're not you're you're throwing your money away on the pro levels am i right dan absolutely and and yeah. furthermore i say tell that cause that they should join the ecac there you go it's about it's about adapting to the times right that's right. what happen now and i think that's the problem of sometimes institutions they are very slow to adapt right. and on a point that um, Dan was saying, I remember from the CEC panel, which me and Dan appeared on, that had, I believe it was Stephen Light as well. Um, was it University of North Dakota? I think it might have been. Uh, yeah. he, was, he was from the university, and he said, one thing in which when you're trying to convince administrators is you need to talk their language. Right. If you don't talk their language, how are you expecting them to understand what is available and what can potentially be done? And am I able to share screens? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so I, I saw a tweet basically from Hastro, which is the owner of Envious, if no one knows. Um, I need to go back to streaming up one minute. Yeah, like uh, hit share your screen. Share screen. Um, application window. Here we go. Uh, so you should be able to see this. And basically, this is what Hastro is saying. You guys want to know what has grown shockingly fast for the sports in the US, K-12, the K through 12 and university involvement. Crazy how quickly that sector of the esports industry is growing. Don't sleep on it and don't be surprised when it explodes. So it's not only something which individuals are already realizing, it's what people in the industry are already realizing. And it's not only envious which are realizing it, Cloud9 have now realized it as well. Right. So let's be honest, it's something which you don't want to sleep on. Right. And you want to make sure you adapt now rather than too late. Because right. if you adapt too late, you're going to miss the bus and miss the boat. Right. It's true. So here we go. I'm going to get this is our last uh, part of our, 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 our cast here. I, I call it final thoughts. It's a new thing. I just made it up just now, Jen. So we're going <laughs> to keep doing this and everything. Final my final thoughts, thoughts on uh, my final thoughts are one. I always wanted to thank our, our, our guests, Dan Coonan from the ECAC. Thank you so much for joining us on our show. And George Cook, thank you so much. We'll be looking for wonderful things for you in the future, helping out this, this development of this very important esports ecosystem. You know, Dan, you're, you know, you're going to go down as one of the, one of the most important people in esports development. Uh, but I wanted to get a final thoughts from Dan and then we'll go with George. What are your final thoughts on, on, on the outlook of college esports? Now, we've covered a lot of things, the gambling, the this, the that. Where do you think we'll be in a couple of years from now? Final thoughts. Um, I think it's going to explode. And, and the, the fact that, yes, it's, been, it's being impacted by the pandemic, but it's still thriving even in the midst of the pandemic. And there's not a lot of industries that can say that. In traditional sports, you cannot say that. Uh, and so I think I think – yeah, the things we talked, we hit on today. It's going to be more connected with the high schools. It's it's going to be more lucrative for schools to get involved in this. And so, see, every school in America will not just have a club team; they're going to have varsity teams participating, hopefully in the ECAC. 
Uh, but uh, but it, it's gonna be it's gonna be huge. And then when we can get back to when you can have live events, the live events we were having in Albany were spectacular, um, and, uh, and and they'll only be better the more schools we have. So very uh, excited. I'm excited about it. Very excited, George. What are we gonna do? How are we gonna get to here? Final thoughts on educating the educators on esports. So is I think. Uh, very much going down the same route as Dan. It is going to explode in the next few years. And I feel like it's really down to people that want to change the space and actually want to benefit the the next generation and actually are looking into the, to a certain extent of being visionaries and looking into the future. Right. That is what needs to be done now. The structure needs to be set now rather than in 10, 15 years when it's going to not necessarily be too late but you would have already had the practice, the time, everything already put in beforehand to really make sure it's done correctly. And then in terms of collegiate esports programs, going back to the NCAA, I'm gonna I'm gonna credit them here. They could have got involved, and they could have uh, they said they didn't want to get involved because they felt it would stagnate collegiate esports. They did the right thing by not getting involved. Because now, I know this is hard for me to say because I'm in the UK, <laughs> but look at the US. It is by far one of the best places to be if you want to be involved in collegiate esports. And that is, so that's going to be, to a certain extent, my bit of credit to the NCAA. Because if they wanted a piece of the pie, they could have, to a certain extent, ruined it for everyone. Well, you know, I go back, my final thoughts are, I, I give credit to the to the pioneers, Wimstock of uh, World World uh, uh, Collegiate Star League, Neil Duffy. These are guys that are that have been sort of the trailblazers in collegiate esports. It's just going to grow bigger. Jen, your final thoughts? I think that everybody needs a little bit more education around esports in general. And I think that definitely starts within the colleges and them growing. I think naturally people will just pay more attention. Yeah, I mean it's it's all there, uh, and 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 again, sponsors, investors, college is the way to go. It's going to happen. Uh, again, Dan, thank you so much for joining us, George. Thank you again for all coming all the way from the UK. I know it's late there; it's time for you to go to sleep. Thank you, Jen, my co-host, and you'll see us in two weeks. Uh, our guests in two weeks will be Kimberly Culp of the esports uh, uh, attorney and Ryan Tao, an esports psychologist. So interesting conversations we'll have there at that time. Yep. Good luck. Awesome. Stay awesome. safe. Thank you so much, guys. Well, I'll see you. Thank you. Bye. Yep. All right. Bye.